You know, uh, before we kind of jump into the Bible and talk about what uh, we're going to be reading about today, uh, I would just ask you if you would allow me for a moment just to, to pray. As we look around our country this week, we're just kind of reminded that there are people hurting, whether it's in Indianapolis or Minnesota or Chicago, we have people around us who are hurting, and I mourn with our country, and I realize in this moment that the church needs to be the church like never before. And so as we pray, we need to remind ourselves that we need to love courageously and persistently. Our culture around us is so fractured and so divided that we need to portray a different picture. We need to come out with God's love and impact our culture around us. So as we pray, will you join me as we pray for Families and communities that are hurting as we pray for our officials who are trying to lead in a very difficult time. And as we pray for the church who needs to be the church right now that the world so desperately needs. Will you join me as we pray? God, we just acknowledge uh, that there is so much going on right now. And that there is pain and people grieving and hurting and we mourn with our country. And we ask you that you would just allow us as a church to be a picture of the gospel. That we would love courageously and persistently. That you would bring healing to families and communities that need it. That you would give wisdom to our officials and you would direct their steps and draw them closer to you. And that you would empower the church to live out the mission of Jesus in very real and tangible ways. Now, as we study from your word today, we ask you that you would just speak to us as a church and just reveal to us a little bit of yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we started a new series last week, and what we're calling that series is The New Normal. And what we're looking at is how the church is ever-changing and never-changing. How there are times when the church has to adjust to the, its setting around it, its culture and different things, in its practices, but the truths and principles never change. Methods may change, the message never does. And so as we take a look at that, what we are going to do is at times look throughout the New Testament. We'll look at Acts in different letters because that gives us the beginning of the early church. And so you see a lot of letters to churches in the New Testament. You see a lot of, of history of the early church in the book of Acts. And because of all of that, we're going to look at the Old Testament today. And we're going to look at Zechariah. Just as a reminder, ever-changing, never-changing. And what we're going to see in the book of Zechariah are some principles that we need to know as a church today. But before we do that, you all thought I forgot about you. That's not going to happen. Welcome Quakertown. It's so good 
for you to join us, and welcome to all of you watching us in Heritage Hall as well. Uh, we're so glad that you're with us. So we're going to turn to Zechariah chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone, the shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Okay, so what we're going to do first, before we kind of unpack what we just read, is we're going to get a little bit of background information, because the reality is, if you ever read Zechariah, there's a lot of just, uh, just interesting dreams and visions, and it could be a little weird at times, and so we need to give us some background information so we can know what's going on. Zechariah was a prophet. The prophet spoke on behalf of God, and he spoke on behalf of God to God's people. And so what happens is, is that as you go through the Old Testament, you read of the people of Israel, and you read of the split of the kingdoms, Israel and Judah, and you read of God's people. Well, at some point, the kingdom of Judah is taken into exile. It is conquered, and it is moved to another country, that conquering country. And they're there for years and years, and then the people come back, God's people come back to Jerusalem. And the first thing that they begin to do, one of the first things they begin to do is they begin to rebuild the temple, the house of the Lord. And this is under the leadership of the governor, Zerubbabel. And what we need to understand is that as they are rebuilding this house of the Lord, this temple, what is happening is that as the temple is being restored, God's presence and his kingship over his people is also being restored. But there is opposition that occurs. There is hardship that occurs. There is difficulty that occurs. And in the midst of all of that difficulty, God sends Zechariah to give a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So Zechariah brings this word of encouragement because the entire process, because it is a restoration of God's uh, presence and his, and his kingship, the entire process needs to be under the guidance of God. And what we need to understand is that when we look at the two Hebrew words that were used for might and power, they were multifaceted in their use. When we look at those words, they were used for physical power. They were used for military power and might. They were used for economic power and might. They were used for moral power and might. And what we need to understand is that the work that needs to be accomplished, this work in the midst of the hardship, will not be accomplished by any physical, financial, or religious means of humanity. It's not enough. The resources available to Zerubbabel around him, the resources of humankind are not enough to complete this task. And at first, that can be a daunting statement. That can be almost discouraging. But God swoops in and provides a word of encouragement. 
in the midst of staring straight at this mountain-sized obstacle. In the midst of staring straight at this mountain-sized obstacle and looking around and realizing that what we have is not enough, God reminds them of what actually is present. Sometimes we get so focused on what we don't have that we lose sight of what already is in our hands. I was remembering um, a time, uh, this is a couple years ago, that my wife had to get up early to go to work. And I don't remember exactly what the reason was that she had to get up early. All I know is that she had to get up early and it was something that was stressful and there was some angst and there was, she, she had been prepping like days before and she was really just kind of filled with anxiety about it and she was restless at night. And so what I also remember was that I didn't have to get it to work until later that day, so I had planned on sleeping in. That didn't happen. And here's why it didn't happen, because as I'm trying to get my beauty sleep, I don't know why we're laughing, but as I'm trying to get my beauty sleep, um, I start to hear my wife just, just going back and forth throughout the house. She, she comes into the room. She goes out of the room. She goes up the stairs, down the stairs. She goes into the kitchen. She's going all over the place. And I begin to hear her rifling through things, and she's disturbing me. I don't know. And so then I start to hear her. She goes, where's my phone? Where's my phone? I'm late. Where's my phone? I didn't think she was talking to me, so I kept sleeping. And so she finally comes into the room. She goes, have you seen my phone? And then she doesn't wait for me to respond. She leaves the room. So I get out of bed, and I, and I realize I got you know, some of that morning crust on the eyes. I got to clean that all off. And I go and I, and, I, and I start looking for my phone because I know what the next question is. And I hear it from all the way in the kitchen. Can you call me? Can you call me? Because I need to find my phone. I hear her run up the steps. She's just, she's just in a frantic pace at this point. And she goes, can you please call me? And I have my phone. I'm about to dial. And I look at her. And I put my phone down. And I say no. I know. I said, no. And then I point at her hand. Because in her hand was her phone. What happened? Well, in the midst of just an anxious moment, in the midst of an obstacle, in the midst of a difficult time, in the midst of just all of these other negative thoughts, she was blind to what she already had. In the midst of the obstacles, in the midst of all of the negative things happening around them, God's people in Jerusalem were blind to what they already had. They already had what they needed to accomplish the obstacle. And so they're facing this big mountain of an obstacle, and God comes in and he just reminds them, this isn't going to happen by your strength. It's not going to happen by your might or your power. It's going to happen by my spirit. And the truth of the matter is, is that whoever's in this room, whoever's watching in Quakertown, whoever's watching in Heritage Hall or online, wherever you're at, you're in one of three situations. Either you are facing a mountain of an obstacle right now in your life. Maybe it's a financial obstacle. Maybe it's a health obstacle. Maybe it's an obstacle with one of your children. Whatever it is, you're facing this obstacle and wondering how you're going to get past this mountain. 
Or maybe you're in another group and you're looking backwards at the mountain that God has just brought you through. Or maybe in the third group, you're just between mountains. You're not sure when that next mountain will happen. And the truth of the matter is, is that Zechariah 4 teaches us a principle that we need to apply to our lives. And here's the principle. I don't got this, but God's got me. I don't got this, but God's got me. And you see, oftentimes I like to live according to that model of, I got this. I got this. But the sooner that I realize that, no, I don't got this, but God's got me. The sooner that I realize that, the better. Because God can accomplish something way more big than I can accomplish. And that's true for the church as well. The sooner that we stop relying on just our own efforts, our own skills, our own programs or whatever, those are all good. But if we're relying on that separate of God's spirit, it's empty. We are a church that needs to acknowledge we don't got this, but God's got us. God's got us. And what he can do is amazing. So the first principle that we need to understand that is free is I don't got this, but God's got me. The second thing we need to learn in this principle of Zechariah is this, is how to respond when God actually shows up. So the second thing is this, think big, live small. First principle, I don't got this, but God's got me. Second principle, think big, live small. In Zechariah 4, towards the end of when I was reading there, you get this, this interesting question. And it talks about who can despise the day of these little things. And, 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 it's, and it's just kind of this accusation, like who dares do this? And that's kind of a weird statement if you don't know what's going on. You're like, well, I don't, I'm, like, I'm not sure what's happening here. In order to understand what's happening, we need to go to the book of Ezra. So Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3, verse 12. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. When that question in Zechariah 4 is happening, it's talking about the foundation of the temple. What's happening in the book of Ezra is this. They begin to lay the foundation of the temple. This new restored temple is much smaller than the temple that was built during the time of Solomon. And for people who were able to see the glory and splendor of that temple before, they begin to lament. They begin to weep. They begin to cry. And the problem is, is that their lament, as they are lamenting this physical structure, they are missing what God is actually doing. They are missing what God is actually doing. And God reveals through, through Zechariah, Zechariah comes out and says, how dare you? God reveals that what he is doing is something much bigger than they can imagine, something that will lead to true joy. And how do we as a church not fall into the same mistake? Well, what we need to understand is this. Our small efforts in the hands of a big God will accomplish amazing things. You see, our small efforts in the hands of a big God will accomplish amazing 
things. So pray big, long for big, long for big results, work for big results, but do this by being faithful and content with the small. Pray for revival in our country and then go make breakfast for the kids and pray together as a family. Dream of the knowledge of God's glory sweeping through this earth. And then go and invite a neighbor over for dinner. Be a little taste of that glory to them. Pray for radical transformation in our communities. And then go to school tomorrow, in your high school, your middle school, wherever you're at. And do your work as if working for the Lord, not for men. Be a picture of the gospel to everyone you come in contact with. You see, the day of big things will come. God will complete his mission. But in the meantime, as we wait for God to do his work, let us not neglect the small work that he has trusted us with. Think big. Live small. Again, the first lesson that we learn from Zechariah 4 is, I don't got this, but God's got me. The second thing that we learn is, think big. Live small. Dream big. Pray for God to show up in great ways and then be faithful in what he has entrusted you to do. And then the third lesson, the final lesson is this. Before you head out, press in. Before you head out, press in. Jesus gives a command to his church right up front. If you begin the book of Acts, we read right up front this command that Jesus gives his church to be his witnesses. But right up front, he sets the tone of that command. He sets the tone of how that command will be accomplished. He sets the tone of how that command will actually come to fruition. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power is not our own power. The power and might and strength is not our own power, might, and strength. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that we live out the command of Jesus. So before you head out, press in. Our values at Calvary Church are connect and impact. And what we've said about connect and impact is this. As we connect with God and he impacts our lives, we are to connect with others and impact the lives of others. That is the flow of continuing what Jesus started. That is the flow of the mission of Jesus. There has to be an intimate relational connecting with God. But far too often, I try to continue the mission based on my own strength, my own intellect, and my own skills. And you know what the result of that is? When I start to rely on myself instead of plugging into God, you know what the result of that is? My being drained, discouraged, and disheartened. That's the result of that. You see, for some of us, we've been driving around life riding on fumes. We've been riding around on fumes, and there are real mountains ahead. And for some of us, it's not just a mountain. There's a whole mountain range ahead. 
But we keep driving around, driving around on fumes. But here's the worst part. We keep going circles and circles, running on fumes while we're inside the parking lot of the gas station. When all we have to do is stop and plug in. Stop and press in to the one who promised to be there with us. Before we connect with others and impact others, we need to connect with God and have him impact our lives. Before you head out, press in. So here's our homework for today. Here's our homework for this week. Press in. Press into God. Work on your relationship with God. Work on that relational intimacy with God this week. Allow the transformative work of the Holy Spirit to equip and empower you for the work that God has trusted you with. Press in. Here are some ways that you could possibly do that. This is just a list. This is not an exhaustive list. It's just kind of one that kind of just went through. Here's a list of practices that you might be able to do. First, solitude. Spend some time alone. Spend some time alone with God. Quiet your mind. Get away from all of the craziness and busyness and hecticness around you, all of the noise. Spend some time in solitude and silence with God. Pray. It's hard to have a relationship with someone if you're not going to talk to them. Right? It's, it's kind of hard to have a relationship with someone if you're just giving them the silent treatment. So pray. Just have a conversation with God. Talk to him about your day. Just talk to him about whatever you want to talk about. Just talk to him. Go outside. This is just a, a tip. This is not... One that I'm going to just go like Malachi 4 or 5 says. No, just, it's, just, it's just a tip. Go outside. God's creation declares his splendor. For me personally, that sometimes is the time that I'm most closest to God. So when I just get outside and just, just be there and admire his handiwork. Study the Bible. Study the Bible. It's not just about talking to someone. Sometimes we've got to listen. Study the Bible. Hear what God is saying to you. Charles said it not that long ago. He said, just 15 minutes a day. Just plug in. Study the Bible. Next one, I don't do at all. Maybe you will. Journal. Write a letter to God. I find that incredibly... Uh, now, now that I said that, this is going to probably be the one I should do. Journal. <laughs> Write a letter to God. Sabbath. It's a command from God. Work six days and on the seventh day devoted to the Lord and rest. Sabbath. Rest. You know what happens when we Sabbath? We acknowledge we're not in control. We acknowledge that God is in control and that we're not. Sabbath. Confess. Sometimes you just need to say sorry. Sometimes you're kind of just built up this kind of wall because you've been messing up, and you just need to confess that sin to God. Confess. Get creative. We worship a God who created everything, and he made us in his image. Get creative. Maybe it's through art or music or writing something. Get creative. Do it to honor God. And finally, celebrate. 
Gratitude. Thank God for what he's done. When we celebrate, when we show gratitude, we look back and remember how God has shown up over and over and over. Maybe this list is a good list for you. Maybe you would add something onto it. Maybe you take it away. The whole point is not to do this checklist. The whole point is to spend some time with God this week. The whole point is to work on your relationship with God. Find your own rhythm. Discover what is your best way and press into God. Connect and impact starts with us connecting with God. Spend some time this week. Work on your relational intimacy with God. Three lessons from Zechariah 4. I don't got this, but God's got me. Think big. Live small. Before you head out, press in. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is in life, whatever God has for you in front of you, it is not by might. It is not by power. But it is by His Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you and we just thank you. God, I just want to say today that I love you, God, and I just thank you for the many times you've shown up over and over. Some of us in this room have had a season that have been hard. Lord, I ask you that you would step in and reveal your own strength and your own power and allow us to connect to you. Let's be a church that is so in love with you and so just passionate about you that we can't help to go and tell everyone about you. Be with us this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.